When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, February 9th. There are options everywhere for tennis fans to enjoy throughout each of the week's five WTA and ATP tour level events on today's show. I want to run you through what has happened so far throughout the course of this week. So many different intriguing results to discuss. With that in mind, there are five tour level events on the calendar. There are so many matches I'd like to dive into. That said, if I take a headfirst plunge into into every intriguing match I've watched. It would be a six-hour podcast. It's also worth noting I'm recording today's show in Seattle, the site of the 2023 Division I Women's ITA National Indoor Championships, one of the premier events on the college tennis calendar. Our Cracked Rackets team is so excited to be able to broadcast all the action from first ball to last. Our coverage begins tomorrow, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific. It carries all the way through through to Monday's championship match. The reason I bring that up is to let all of you listeners know I'm not sure how much tour-level action I'll get to monitor. A lot of my thoughts will be based on the replays, the highlights I watch, as opposed to watching everything unfold live as I try to do throughout the course of a typical week. All of those disclaimers in mind, again, it will be a bit more of a superficial-level podcast here today. I want to talk through the big storylines, the players who have caught my eyes, whether it be through the highlights or watching more extended portions of their matches, of course. Again, we do have some fantastic college tennis for all of you listeners this weekend, so throw that onto your calendar as well. Another event to keep an eye on in the tennis world. If you want a bit of a preview of all of the action, I'm going to end up interviewing 14 of the 16 head coaches participating in this weekend's action. All of those conversations available over on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed or on our website, crackrackets.com. So again, couple of disclaimers before we get into today's podcast. There's a lot of events, a lot of matches. I'm going to try to touch on everything superficially, but perhaps we won't have the depth we typically have and then be, come on, tennis fans, be sure to follow one of the best events on the college tennis calendar this weekend, whether it be via the interviews we produce, the recap podcast we put out, or whether it be just following the action itself live on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. With all of that said, before I dive into The many wonderful events happening on the calendar this week. I do, of course, have to give a shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point for continuing to support this podcast day in, day out, week in, week out, year in, year out. And by the way, they don't just support this podcast. They support tennis players everywhere by providing the best equipment at the lowest prices. You can have access to it all by going to their website, tennis-point.com today. When you do make a purchase, use our promo code CR15. Not only will you 
let them know we sent you there, you'll get 15% off all sale items. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis Dash Point symbol, not the spelling. Tennis-Point.com. The promo code is CR15. Okay, with that said. Let's get into the week's tour-level action. We have five extraordinary events for oh so many different reasons. Let's start with number one on the calendar. If you're only going to follow one tour-level event this week because you are so preoccupied following all the high-level Division One college action on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, I don't know if I mentioned we're going to have that for all of you this weekend. I don't know if I've mentioned how excited I am for that broadcast to begin, but... If you are going to choose one tour-level event to keep an eye on as well, make it the WTA 500 happening in Abu Dhabi this week. Looking at the quarterfinal field set, oh my goodness, are things going to get fun. You look at the players we have remaining. It starts at the top of the draw. Daria Kaskina, the number one seed, going to take on Junction Wen right there. Two top 30 players competing in some early February quarterfinal action. Of course, you like that matchup? I got better for you. How about Veronica Kudermatova versus Ludmilla Samsonova? Two of the top 20 players in the world competing in quarterfinal number two. Oh, you like that one? How about we do two of the top 15 as Beatrice Haddad Maya is going to take on Elena Rabakina. And then somehow this is the undercard, but you've got a Belinda Bencic, your number two seed, the favorite, according to Tennis Abstract, to win this event. Tennis Abstract gets her a 28.8% chance of capturing the title. She's going to take on the big hitting and always dangerous on a hard court, Shelby Rogers. Shelby, who had to qualify into this match, the lowest ranked player remaining in the draw. She's currently sitting at number 46 in the live ranking. So again, it's a 500-level tournament. Certainly, you expect the caliber of the field to be high, but I mean, you have seven top 30 players and then Shelby Rogers, who is certainly a top 30 player on a hard court. It is going to be a fun weekend of play in Abu Dhabi. And looking at all the different names I see, I think if I were to point to three standout performers for the week, I would have to start with Ludmilla Samsonova, your number eight seed. Samsonova was scheduled to draw Paula Badosa in round number one. Now, ultimately, Badosa withdraws due to injury, so she takes on Lucky Loser and Dangerous rising American Claire Lou Samsonova drops the first set three two six six two six zero. She gets through that match. She follows it up with a five and six victory over Barbara Krejcikova. And you know it was a match where Samsonova's elite service prowess and Samsonova's the number two server amongst top fifty players in hold percentage over the last fifty two weeks. She trails just Caroline Garcia. Actually, did Elena Rabakina catch her? Let's find out. Yes, Rabakina now number two. Samsonova. This is funny. Rabakina is holding 78.5% of the time over the last 52 weeks. Samsonova, 78.4% of the time. So she drops to the number three spot. Excuse me, but the serve wasn't what got her through her matchup against Barbara Krichikova. Again, a 5-6 and six victory for the 24-year-old Russian. It wasn't just the serve. It was the overwhelming nature of her ground strokes. And I mentioned this so frequently throughout the course of her run last season. And for those of you who may have forgotten what Ludmilla Samsonova was able to do, of course, she's 31 and 17 overall. Over the course of her last 52 weeks, she ripped off uh, 13 straight victories last summer before getting knocked out after 
earning a huge first set lead. She really should have won the first set against Isla Tamjanovic in the U.S. Open round of 16. She loses that match in straight sets, but she wins 13 consecutive matches and 18 out of 19 with titles in Washington, Cleveland, and Tokyo to end last season. She makes a round of 16 in Guadalajara as well. And look, on paper, hasn't won... Uh, hasn't won two matches at an event until this week in Abu Dhabi. On paper, you'd say it was a disappointing month of January, but let's actually unpack it. She loses 6-6 six and six to Arena Sabalenka in Adelaide, a match where she was up, I think, 5-1 in that first set. And, you know, what has Arena Sabalenka done, Sitch? Oh, you know, she just hasn't lost. She loses 5-3 and three round one in Adelaide, 2 to Anisimova. That's probably her worst loss of the season because she gets knocked out by Donna Vekic at the Australian Open. Vekic, for what it's worth now, a top 35 player, still alive this week in Linz. The 3-0 and scoreline was rough, but again, in a vacuum, that's... I mean, it was a bad loss because she didn't play well, but that's not a, a loss to a bad opponent. Slow start to her year, but... I think the biggest thing now you look for Ludmilla Samsonova, she's 27 and 10 on hard courts over the course of the past year. 27 and 10. And you look at her, you know, breaking things down by the analytics against opponents ranked outside the top 50, she's 14 and 5. That said, two of her losses are to top 35 players in Andrescu and Vekic. So we'll say 14 and 3. Overall, against opponents ranked outside the top 20, 21 and 9. Against top 20 opponents, though, 4 and 1. That's the big number I'd turn to. I mean, Samsonova's weapons are just elite on hard courts. And to go full circle here, that's what stood out against both Claire Liu and Barbara Krejcikova. In each of her matches, you know, Samsonova was really struggling with the first serve. She made 50% of her first serves exactly against Krejcikova, 51% against Claire Liu. Now, the first serve when it landed had its typical amounts of success against Liu, but, you know, Krejcikova made Samsonova have to work even harder to earn free points on her serve or earn you know, winning opportunities for herself. And what was so impressive was Samsonova's acknowledgement in this Krejcikova match of, you know what, I'm not going to have the easy plus one opportunities. I have to find that rhythm ball, my 75% pace, my heavy top spin with depth to try and draw something short out of Krejcikova. And that's what she did so successfully. She found the rally ball, which I think is the next step for Ludmilla Samsonova because I've mentioned this before. She is one of the few players in the women's game who hits a heavy topspin forehand. It's not just the line drive she's able to generate with by flattening out the shot. No, that ball is heavy. It has a ton of action on it. And it overwhelmed the Krejcikova forehand. That was the ball that sat short that Samsonova was ultimately able to attack behind for Samsonova, ultimately who is a bottom 10 returner on the WTA Tour overall, though much better when she gets to return on the hard courts for her to ultimately, you know, earn 17 different breakpoint chances in this match. It speaks to the nature of these Abu Dhabi courts, but it speaks to, again, how well Samsonova was striking the return of serve. And, you know, again, for Samsonova, this is a significant quarterfinal for her in her career. You look overall tour-level quarterfinals uh, that Samsonova's been able to make in her career. This is now her 11th overall. This is the first time she's done it at the 500 level. Is Berlin a 500 on, on the grass courts, it might be, so I may stand corrected. I'm not sure if it is. Uh, she made a semifinal last year in Stuttgart. That event is certainly a high-level event as well. But again, it's, you know, so fine. At best, it's her third high-level semifinal, 24 years old. That's 
when you start to solidify yourself at the big events, if you're going to be one of the players moving forward and with the weapons she has, the, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier, junk, uh, you know, who are the potential future candidates for entryway, uh, for entry into Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club? Alicia Parks feels like she's in the running now. You know, Clara Tossin, Jung Chin Wen, they've been in the running for a while. Ludmilla Samsonova is the, she takes over the Sabalenka Rabakina spot as that veteran who you feel like has the sort of power tennis where, you know, again, if it all clicked at a slam, she would be an eventual nominee and entry, would earn entryway into Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club as is. She can already come hang out on weekends because we recognize the game that she possesses and I mean, again, she's going to have a battle on her hands in the quarters against Kudermatova. Kudermatova 2-1 and one in the career head-to-head. A lot, of, a lot of holds of serve one anticipates in that match. Samsonova hits the more dynamic ball. Again, it's strength on strength. It's funny. Kudermatova has had so much success on serve over the last 52 weeks. She's been a top 10 server pretty consistently. And yet, again, Samsonova ranks third. Like... It's it's very good versus elite. Neither of them the most consistent returner. Both of them move pretty solidly. I like the action on on Samsonova's ball a little bit better, but you provide any sort of topspin to Kudermatova, now she can just bunt down on it, and I think she's a little bit better in the outer thirds than Samsonova is. It's going to be a really good battle. And according to Tennis Abstract right now, Samsonova, an underdog, Kudermatova, 51.6% favorite. I want to see both. You know, again, Samsonova, 4-1, uh, over her last 52 weeks against top 20 players on hard courts. You look for Veronica Kudermatova, who obviously has now in her last 52 weeks reached uh, 12 different quarterfinals against top 20 opponents during this stretch of time. She's actually 9-6 and six overall on hard courts during this stretch. 6-3, and three, strength for strength. Let's do battle. That's why Abu Dhabi's what you need to be watching here this weekend. And again, Kudermatova one and five went over Elisa Mertens to get to the quarterfinal round. It's loaded. I mean, we have what? I think we have six of our eight seeds still alive. And, you know, you look at the seeds that were upset, Annette Conteve, who, by the way, has fallen from number two in the world now, Conteve all the way down. Uh, she's currently sitting at number 27 in the world. Talk about a precipitous fall for the 27-year-old uh, who just didn't defend all the points she had accumulated. That's tough. Welcome to this era in the WTA when it feels like, again, there are 35 top 20 players at any given moment, and it's that difficult. You have to be that good, that consistently. Kudermatova, 12 quarterfinals in the last 52 weeks. She's currently sitting at number 11 in the ranking. She trails only Sviantec and Jabir in quarterfinals, and she still is ranked number 11. But Again, Shelby's going to Shelby. Big serves, big forehands, big first strikes, changing directions down the line. Um, I don't think that upset was that shocking considering, again, 4-1 in the third. Conteve forced to retire. I also don't think Chin went over Ostapenko is that big of an upset. Ostapenko earned a really impressive three-set win over Danielle Collins in her first match in Abu Dhabi, but... This is the redemption arc for Chin Wen, who did not have the Australian Open she was looking for, losing to Bernarda Pera. And now by reaching the quarterfinals here, Chin Wen, one spot off her career high. She's up to number 26 overall in the live rankings. For what it's worth, Chin Wen hasn't made that many tour-level quarterfinals in her career. And, you know, it's always worth remembering she's just 20 years old. And, yes, we've seen her have success at slams, beating Halep, taking uh, – taking – Iga Svantec, two, three sets, but overall in her career, uh, it's just her fourth career tour-level quarterfinal. Now, they've all come since January of last year, and it's her third since August. 
But it's only her fourth tour-level quarterfinal, folks. Let's celebrate the little victories here. Jung Chin Wen. Let's not take it for granted, again, how successful she's been this quickly in her career into a, a 500-level quarterfinal. It's just the fourth overall in her career. That's very, very rare. And look, she's going to be the favorite. She takes on Daria Kasatkina. Kasatkina 1-6-6, love 6-2 over Teichman. Chin Wen brings weapons that Teichman doesn't point in, point out. There's just a standard of... You know, again, Chin Wen's just going to be on her front foot, and she does have the movement, the athleticism to to get to the outer thirds when Kasakina works her there. She's going to just pulverize return after return when Kasakina hangs a serve. According to the numbers, Kasakina, a 53.9% favorite. I actually think both numbers. I, th- I think we see double upsets. I think we see Chin Wen versus Samsonova. And I think I picked Samsonova in the pod with Nate to make the final. So I'm going to double down on that now. Again, bottom half of the draw, Haddad Maya comes from behind. An impressive victory for her over Putin. Save it was ultimately a 6-4-6-7-7-6 win. She grinds. She scraps. Who's number two in total wins over the last 52 weeks on the WTA Tour? There's a big delta, obviously. Iga Shvianta currently has 67. You know who has 57 and is in second by 10 wins? Beatrice Haddad Maya. Testament to, again, coming off of suspension, just working her way back up the rankings, playing every event possible. And now she's sitting at number 14, a new career high in the live rankings. And again, you've got top 15 battles that she's going to take on Rabakina, who just looks like she has it now. It looks like whatever, you know, obviously she won Wimbledon and you get a ton of confidence from being a slam champion, but she lost first round at the U.S. Open and didn't have the most consistent home stretch to last year while she's come out guns blazing. Finals, obviously, in Australia. And, I mean, she was just so much better than Karolina Pliskova. And it just looked like, again, she was playing chess while Pliskova was playing checkers. It was two different sports. And it's Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. Take the racket out of your hands, tennis. So... What an exciting weekend. I didn't mention Belinda Bencic because I've talked about her enough of late. She is just playing the best tennis of her career, period. Bencic, 28.8% according to Tennis Abstract. Rabakina, 22.1% of the top half. Kuder Matova right now, the slightest of favorites to advance to the final. Buckle up, folks. Abu Dhabi is going to remain exciting. Let's move on, though, to our next WTA event. And it's fascinating that this event is the undercard considering the strength of the field. You have a top 10 player in the world in Maria Sakkari, still alive in top seed, a straight set win over Gracheva to kick off her event. She'll now take on fifth-seeded Donna Vekic. Vekic, of course, reaches the second week of the Australian Open. She makes that San Diego final run to end the last season. And, you know, now by reaching the quarterfinals here in Linz, Donna Vekic finds herself back up to number 30 in the live rankings. Her career high is only number 19. 26 years old. She's back in the mix. Hitting the staples button, that was easy. Like, it happened quickly for what it's worth. Vekic, who 3-1. Madison Brangle couldn't hurt her. Uh, also got a straight set win over Korpots in round one. Sakari win over Paris as Diaz, by the way, in round one as well. I mean, Vekic is 5-2 and two in the career head-to-head against Maria Sakari for what it's worth. It's a winnable match. She's got the weapons to make Sakari uncomfortable. Now, I do think this match is going to be a little bit more instinctual to Sakari, and so... I think that helps her, actually, that, you know, she doesn't constantly have to, you know, again, she's going to be looking to play front foot, but a lot of it's going to be reactive, reflexive, improvisational tennis, because that's what Vekic does to you, the sort of pressure she puts on you by taking that ball early on the rise. It's a fun matchup. I'm in. 
That's a very fun quarterfinal, far from an undercard. And, you know, again, across the board, Sakari Vekic is probably your highlight reel uh, match at the top spot. But certainly, and it's funny, I'm recording this 2.35 p.m. Pacific time, third set breaker underway between Martic and Van Utvank. The winner of that's going to play Clara Tossin. And, oh, my God, did Clara Tossin need this quarterfinal? One and two over Irina Camilla Begu, then one six six three six four over Camilla Giorgi. I mean, that's the best run we've seen from Clara Tossin since probably before she was injured last season and maybe probably the best run we've seen from her since last year's Australian Open where she beat Contave before playing a really fun three-set match with eventual finalist Danielle Collins. I mean, look, she was injured. She was out from April to really the start of August and then it was a slow and sometimes tricky run. She she lost, what, five consecutive matches and then three consecutive at the WTA level at one point last season. So she goes back down to the 80Ks, the 60Ks, the 125Ks, works her way back up into form, now has to come through qualifying, gets in as a lucky loser here in Linz and is now back into the quarterfinals. And, you know, for what it's worth, you look for Clara Tossin in her career, tour-level quarterfinals. This is now the sixth quarterfinal she's made, second of her career in Lyon. Um, you know, obviously for Tossin, it's her first quarterfinal since January of last year at the tour level. She's back up into the top 125. And I know her success came so quickly, but she's still just 20 years old. And she's going to get back in the top 100. The weapons are remain non-negotiable. Her backhand down the line is elite. She continues to get better as a mover. She just makes you work. And look, she's considering Martich Van Utvank are 7-6 in the third, and they play tomorrow. No reason Clara Tossin can't get to the semifinals and give herself a shot at a top. I know Vekic is 30 right now, but dare I say two top 20 opponents in Sakari or Vekic. So that's a fascinating top half of the draw. Bottom half, I'm just in. I've, I've been this way for a while, so this isn't a shock to long-time mini-break listeners, but I'm just all in on uh, 21-year-old and former world junior number one, Anastasia Potapova. Just physically, she has like the movement, the athleticism, the fluidity, the backhand down the line, the depth on the forehand, the defensive capability. Now, the serve is a bit of a liability, but she puts so many returns in play, and again, there's just a depth and aggression I'm in. I, you know it when you see it. And again, it's been steady for Potapova, who right now finds herself at a tying her career high, number 42 in the live rankings. She reaches this quarterfinal here in Linz. It is her seventh quarterfinal at the tour level in the past year. Seven quarterfinals at the tour level in the last 52 weeks. Where would that rank overall? I'm glad all of you asked. Seven quarterfinals would be just outside the top 10. It would rank tied for 13th overall amongst top 50 players. That ain't bad. That ain't bad at all for, again, a player who is still just 21 years old, former world junior number one. She isn't a Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club sort of player, but... She's an excellent contrast, and it's just going to ask all the right questions. She's going to take away the thing you want to do most. She's going to take on Annalena Friedsen, who got a really good win over Kalanina. And then you got Dalma Golfi, another former world junior number one, taking on 2019 French Open finalist Marketa Van Drusova. Drusova is actually a 30-Drusova, the Drus. 37% favorite is Marketa Van Drusova to capture the title in Linz right now. It's probably because Vekic and Sakari have to go through one another that Van Drusova is the favorite. And again, I don't see Golfi, Friedsen, Potapova. None of them have the elite power 
I think, to test this version of Von Drusvo, so fit, hitting the corner so well. She's just healthy again, and when she's healthy, she's clearly a top 25 player. I mean, again, I like the power tennis of all the players on the top half of the draw and on the indoor hard courts of Linz. That could be a very fun contrast. So shout out to Von Drusva, who has just come running up the rankings. Marketa Von Drusva now back up to number 79. If she wins the title this week for what it's worth, she would be back up to number 50 in the live rankings. And boy, would that be a quick rise to get back. And by the way, Von Drusva is still just 23 years old. You know, again, if anything, is just starting to hit the prime of her career. Uh, it's really fun action in Linz, in Abu Dhabi, WTA Tour. It's going on here, even though it's just week number one of this month of February. But that's your action on the women's side. Let's move over to the men's side of things now. And I'm going to start today in Dallas. I really like the draw. That's Foreman there. Certainly, if you're a fan of American men's tennis, two rising American stars, Francis Tiafo, J.J. Wolf, solidifying themselves, uh, so, uh, excuse me, earning places in the quarterfinals. You look for J.J. now, 46-26 and 26 overall over his last 52 weeks. You want to filter all out just for tour-level events. He's 21 and 15 overall in his last 52 weeks on uh, at the tour level. Now, all but two of those matches have been played on hard courts. But again, you look for JJ 21 and 15. He's now made the quarterfinals three different times at these tour level events. All of them since the start of August last season. He is very clearly one of the 50 best players in the world on hard courts, and that's why he's up to number 39 now in the the ATP rankings. And obviously when one of your hard court results happens to be a second week at a slam, yeah, you're going to come flying up the rankings. But, you know, again, quarterfinals here in Dallas, he quarterfinaled the City Open with wins over Runa and Shapovalov. He made the finals in Florence at the end of last year. Indoors, wins over Bublik, Cressy, and a very much informed Michael Emer. And now, he, you know, again, he's the sixth seed. He's faced two guys outside the top 75 and Radu Elbot and Brandon Holt. And what did he do? He beat them both in straight sets. That's what a top 50 player does. And his serve forehand combination on hard court, I don't think I have to sell it. We've been selling it since 2017 here at Cracked Rackets, since we were founded. JJ, obviously one of our dearest friends here at Cracked Rackets. I mean, the serve the forehand are ridiculous. His slice tee on the ad side, it actually just rips away from you and it ends up you know, the ball finishes on the deuce side of the court. It might have more action than any other slice tee on the ATP Tour. Yeah, he's got that old school platform step where he jumps and explodes into the toss. I like it. I'm in. I really am on J.J. Wolf. Like, this is real. And, you know, again, you see he's moving a little bit better. The backhand depth is so much better. How does it translate onto clay courts? That's a massive question for J.J. this season. You look overall in his career, J.J.'s played 13 total matches on clay courts. Now, most of them came last season. Quarterfinals Sarasota Challenger, quarterfinals Tallahassee Challenger, semifinals Savannah Challenger. I need to see more. Need to see more of it. A lot of that's green clay, obviously. Uh, Let's see how he does on the red stuff, on the European stuff. But guess what? Top 50 in the world. He's going to have entry into all of those big events, and he wins one first-round match. You pretty much make up for all of those challenger wins from last season. So this is a big win for J.J., into the top 40 of the live rankings for the first time. Obviously, has a massive test on his hands in Francis Tiafoe, who is just—he's top 20 good. He is. The serve, the forehand, the improvisation, the athleticism, the relentlessness and confidence moving forward. Mackey couldn't hurt him 
one and three win for Tiafo into the quarterfinal round. And, you know, again, the upsets we've seen so far this week. Is it an upset that Wooey Bing, who I talked so much about last week, so I won't wax poetically about how well-rounded his game is, how he's always just one shot better than his opponent, beats Shapoval of six and four. Welcome to the top 100. What does he do uh, uh, in celebration of making the top 100? He makes it to the quarterfinals here in Dallas. And, you know, as good as Wu Bing has been, the 23-year-old, 43-9 and over his last 52 weeks, it's his eighth quarterfinal. Do you know this is the first tour-level quarterfinal in the career of Wu Bing? Given how fast he's rise, that's crazy to say out loud. And, again, like— it's 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 crazy to say out loud. It's not surprising. First career quarterfinal, first of many, I would bet. And by the way, with this result, we'll be being up to a new career high number 90 in the live rankings. Yeah, he's going to be on the tour as long as he's healthy, uh, playing the highest level events, in my opinion, moving forward. You also got to give a shout out to former USC All-American Emilio Gomez, semifinalist last week in Cleveland, quarterfinalist here in Dallas. He's up to a new career high as the 31-year-old of number 94 in the live rankings. Guy's just a nightmare physically, and I was talking to one coach at Cleveland who said he thinks Gomez is on the run forehand, might be the best on the run forehand in tennis. It's good results. Good results across the board. And, you know, again, we got a lot of round of 16 matchups coming up today. Bunch of Americans in play. Garone taking on Ota Isner, taking on Altmaier. You've got the All-American matchup, the slim fit Jack Sock, who... Earned a win over Ivashka, three sets, round number one. He's going to take on Taylor Fritz. Fritz, 3-2 career head-to-head. Indoor hardcourt, I'm expecting a lot of holds. I mean, Sock will get up for this match. That's what will make it fun. I don't know, man. It's going to be a battle. It's just because Sock is a big match player, and this one will matter to him. I lean Fritz, but I think that's going to be really fun. And you know, again, there's a world where we have two All-American quarterfinals. By the way, could have a Fritz or Sock versus Giron scenario. Obviously, we already have Wolf Tiafo locked in right now. According to Tennis Abstract, Fritz 33.5% chance of winning the event. Tiafo 27.1. Then Isner 12.5 and a big dip. Yeah, that's a good bet. I think an American wins this event in Dallas, indoor hardcourt. Not exactly uh, the most shocking, by the way, also given the field. But that's ATP event number one, ATP event number two happening over in Montpellier, France. And again, so far your top three seeds are all still alive. Holger Runa, six and two. Tricky win for him over Marc-Andre Hussler, who got him at the end of last season. Moved well, played aggressively. I mean, is very entertaining. He puts on a show. He tries to get the crowd engaged. I appreciate the efforts Holgaruna makes. That's a good win again into another quarterfinal. Sinner got a withdraw. Chorch got a win. And Borna Chorch is in a long-haired version mode right now. We're going to call him long-haired Chorch. And again, the guy just looks ready for war. He, he looks like he's come back. He's seen a ton of shit. And he's like, all right, let's... uh." You know, let's go play some tennis now. Like, this is my second career. This is the second win. Now I'm just, you know, playing with house money. He has that swagger to him right now. And, again, moved really well. Played Chorch ball. The forehand didn't spray on him against Rinder Kanesh, a 3-5 and five win. I will say it's been a great week for a couple of uh, Frenchmen, obviously. Arthur Fee, 3-4. and four, The talented young Frenchman, former top junior over Roberto Bautista Agu. I have a full fee breakdown in me. I'm just not quite ready to do it at this moment. But 
I promise I'll get that to you, listeners, should he win another match. Then big win for Quinton Halise, 3-3 three and three over Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Just, you know, again, the guy who made the most quarterfinals, most finals at the challenger level last season, got himself into the top 100 as such. And now, good start to the season up to number 58 is the 26-year-old Quinton Halise, who, again, will just be able to play now tour level events and be able to protect all those points he accumulated in various pockets throughout last season. Shout out to Max Cressy. Boy, did he need to get to a quarterfinal. He got it here. Win over Emil Rusavori indoors. Cressy trying to hold on to his spot inside uh, the top 50, currently sitting at number 46 with this quarterfinal run. And obviously he'll want to get in. Indian Wells, Miami, got to be top 50. Don't want to have to play qualifying. So Big result for Max Cressy. Uh, you also had Lorenzo Sinego, 5-1 and one win over Krajanovic. That's a fun match between he and Sinner. And then Gregoire Barrer, uh, who's going to take on Nicolas Basilishvili still. That's your last second-round match to finish. Oh, excuse me. Gregoire Barrer gets through in straight sets over Basilishvili. So he'll take on Holger Runa. Right now, Sinner, 35.9% chance of it, of winning the event. Runa, 351 but that's probably because Chorich is on that Runa portion of the draw. I said it at the start of the week. I hope we get Runa Sinner part two because those two playing, Alcaraz playing either of them also, it's time to see what those matchups look like, and we need as big of a sample size as possible because that could very well define the next decade and a half on the ATP Tour, but... That's ATP event number two, ATP event number three happening in Cordoba. I won't lie, this is the one I've watched the least of thus far, but it's unfolding as expected. I predicted at the start of the week we'd get a Baez versus Ramos uh, final. As of right now, you look uh, in Cordoba, uh, Albert Ramos into the quarterfinals. He earns a victory over the Deuce, Dusan Lajevic. Federico Correa, another staple. Two guys are going to make you freaking work. This is how they sustain spots in top 100, top 50, top 75. If they're ready for this physical challenge, it's a lot of guys you'll see grinding away in those clay court challengers or throughout the South American uh, clay court stretch. Uh, they're all in action, as alluded to this weekend. Right now, again, still waiting for the Diego Schwartzman debut, but Sebi Baez snaps his extended losing streak, 3-4 and four win in round number one. Boy, did he need that. He's got a battle uh, coming up next now as he'll take on Mar- uh, Tamos Barrios Vera, the talented Chilean yeah, as of right now, Baez, 23.2% chance of winning. Schwartzman, 18-6. Francisco Sarandolo, still waiting for his first match. He's 15.4. Albert Ramos, Vino loss into the quarterfinals. As such, he's currently at 14.5. But, yeah, I again, still waiting to see who's who, what's what. I think it's still too early in the South American clay court swing to judge the form of any of these guys who certainly we will see plenty of over the course of the next month. With that said, that's your look. That's what's happening in our five tour level events this week. Now, again, it's not just happening at the tour level. There are countless challengers. And then again, we are so excited to be able to broadcast one of the best weekends of the college tennis season. It's the ITA Division One Women's National Indoor Championships. We'll have coverage from first ball to last over on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an ending job he does day in, day out. I don't know how he makes all these things possible. We're going to have the double box. We're going to have the triple box. All these options to ensure all of you tennis fans enjoy your college tennis experience. So again, first ball Friday, 
12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, all the way through Monday's championship match. Be sure to join us at some point throughout the course of the broadcast. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.